This is Foolish Adventure, episode 57, Minimum Viable Product. Welcome to another episode of Foolish Adventure. I'm Izzy Hyman, and I'm here with my friend and colleague, Tim Conley. What's up, Tim? Yo, what's up, Izzy? What is up? Yeah, today's been an interesting day. Uh, The Final Cut Pro got released today, so for the next couple weeks, I'm going to be a busy boy. Yeah, you know, I was on the edge of my seat just waiting for that to come out. You were too? (laughs) (laughs) I've been, I literally, we've, uh, it's one of these situations where I knew that once that came out, I'd have to go into product creation mode. Not going to talk too much about that, but I will say that I told my family, told my wife and kids, I said, in the month of June, Final Cut Pro is supposed to come out. And when that happens, that's what I'm going to be doing for the next little while. And because I've got stuff to do. And so we didn't plan any, I, I didn't feel comfortable booking any hotels for vacations and, you know, making commitments, that kind of stuff, even though it's summertime and kids are out of school and all this, this is like big priority because this kind of a development doesn't happen very often. And, you know, a big part of my business is based on this type of stuff. So high priority, that's for sure. Anyway, very cool. So that's very what cool. I've been up to today. but i think that actually kind of segues in interestingly into what we're going to talk about today and that is uh that is okay so let's say you have a business or you or you want to have a business you know one thing that i that you and i were talking about before we started recording tim is that a lot of times we don't have the emphasis that we need to have on getting from where we are now to a minimum viable product that we can be selling and making money so what we're going to talk about are basically steps you could take to get from where you are now to getting to where you're making money, a direct pathway from now to money. Short, simple, basic steps to get there. And then I'm sure we'll have a scenic, a, a few scenic wanderings as we go. Oh, yeah. You know, because we have to put this into context. You know, we've, we've talked a lot about uh, our three-product approach on, on building an audience. And, and so some people are going to be thinking, well, uh, what about all that stuff you need to do to build an audience? Well, that that's a different side of marketing and and growing and building a business. This is another arm of of building a business and and making money. Building an audience is basically marketing. That's what right. it is, right? So in anything that you're doing, you're going to be marketing and it's very easy to build an audience now with the web and you can have blogs and podcasts and you know all this kind of stuff and that helps you build an audience. So it's a great marketing end. It's a fantastic one. But one of the downsides to the three product approach, and, oh, did he really say that? Yeah, he really said this. One of the downsides is that it's three products. And a lot of times people, when you say, hey, just make one product, it becomes, it feels like an unachievable, unsurmountable type of an ordeal, let alone three products you know so that can feel overwhelming for somebody i mean it's hard to envision making three products when it's when it's very hard just to envision making one product especially if you say okay with the product identify a need make sure it's a high quality product make sure you put some time and effort into it and so it's worth paying for da 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 and then do that three times right you know that can be exhausting so i you know i guess in this episode what we'll do is we'll take a step back and say let's look at just the fundamentals here and say, you want to get from where you are now to making to actually making money, here is a direct pathway. So step number one, we're talking about this, Tim, is basically to identify a profitable idea in your niche. So what kinds of things would you, would you look for, I guess, that would make up a profitable, and I'm doing air quotes here, a profitable, <laughs> a profitable idea in your niche? Okay. One of the things we've talked about is the 
and niching it down, you know, getting, uh, not just finding a, a niche to get into a niche to get into, but to actually take it down even further. So say we are, our, our main go-to, uh, industry being cake decorating, uh, cake decorating is still pretty broad. Uh, the the concept of it is because you could be doing it for a living. You could be doing it for a hobby, like somebody who just wants to know how to make a certain kind of cake uh, in for say their son's birthday or daughter's birthday. You know, there's there's those elements. So so to take this idea of of a of a spe- big niche. you have yeah you know take a big niche down to a smaller one. It's an it's the idea of specificity. You know, you need to become more specific as to who the target market is, and it makes it easier to build a product. So if the product is a a stay at – so your market, your niche market that you're going after is stay-at-home moms who uh, want to make a part-time income from home uh, making cakes. Okay, so – so basically what, you, what we're supposing then is we're making an information product. Maybe like I am a cake decorator professional. I really know how to do cake decorating well. And I'm going to create an information product that's tailored to stay-at-home moms who want to earn a part-time income from home decorating cakes. That's what you're saying. Right. Okay. So, so you can that, – that makes it a little easier to find that particular market because you, you've narrowed it further down. And you may even want to go even further than that. Like maybe it's uh, uh, peop- uh, you know stay-at-home moms in a certain area, uh, uh, you know, certain part of the country or certain state, or uh, maybe even in your own city. You know, so you could you could bring it down even further to make it easier to find the people who will buy the product. Okay, so that's an example of niching it down. I mean, I guess you could do, even do more and say. Not only is it geographically niched down, but it's also going to be a certain type of cake that I'm showing you how to do, like wedding cakes, you know, right. how, to, how to do wedding cakes from home on a part time basis, you know. And so and then what I would do is if I were preparing that and we're going a little off topic now, but I would do a lot of like research into that. What types of issues are these you know, part-timers running into? What are their challenges? You know, is it marketing? Is it the skill development itself, learning how to do it? Is it, uh, you know, setting up? And actually running a business, I don't know. I mean, this is, this is uh, you know, time management. Is there a, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that goes into being successful, I imagine, running a, this on a part-time basis. So I would talk to several people that were in that situation to find out what their challenges were and, and maybe do some interviews. I would talk to people who are looking into it, you know, find out who they are and look into, survey the potential market to see what kinds of things they want to find out. I would look to see what other people are already doing in that industry. Like I'd probably go to the library or subscribe to magazines or something. I would do some research to find out what people are doing in that, what kinds of things they're recommending, what kinds of things they're covering, how much they're charging, find out what the pricing is. I'd probably do a lot. I would do some Google keyword research and find out how many people are searching for phrases that are related to cake decorating, you know, part-time income and cake decorating at home and side business and all this kind of stuff. Right. You know, and, but one uh, one one of the things that you, when we first met in the presentation you gave was to look at the types of classes that are being taught in your area. So if you're in a city, there's all kinds of classes being taught live. So if you know someone's willing to pay, say, $50 to go attend a type of cooking class, 
then then you know you can make a product from that from that exact same information. Uh, you already know that people are willing to pay money for that for that thing, and it's already in a, in a way pre niched for you. You know, so, someone else has already done done the work, so that's that's a way to identify like a uh, a minimum viable product in your niche. Okay, so that takes us to number two is is to create a minimum viable product, and let's talk about this minimum viable. I mean, obviously, there's a couple words in there, three words, minimum. <laughs> <laughs> minimum is like, okay, to me, when I think of minimum, I think of not super fancy, doesn't have all the extras thrown in, not, it didn't, you know, I didn't sink a lot of money into this. I sunk the m- minimum amount of money to have a viable product. In other words, a product that actually does what it says it's going to do. It's, you know, it's an effective product and, and it's a product. It's the end. It's the, it's, you know, it's a creation that you can turn around and sell. And that could be a membership site, that could be a tool, it could be a, you know, training, it could be whatever, it could be, but as long as it's a product. Now, I have, I'm not going to go into details about a product that I'm developing right now, but I am developing a product right now that I had to consciously think to myself, I need to keep this minimum because it's one of these, I've already invested quite a bit of money into the creation of this product and we haven't even actually started making the product yet. It's like the research phase, you know, so I've, I've invested a lot of money and it's still just in the research phase. And I've had to basically say, okay, we got to stop the spending here, get to a minimum thing. Cause we're already planning like way out in the future. It's, it's hard not to do that. It's hard not to go, okay, after this product, then we're going to do there. So we need to be investing in the stuff that's going to get us into that point B and point C, even though we haven't gotten to point A yet. And A is our basic first product that we can have for sale. So this is something I've just recently had to remind myself of again, over and over again, minimum viable product. Don't overspend. I don't have to spend a lot of money in graphics and, you know, visual animations and custom music and custom website design when I don't even know if the product will sell yet. That's that's an important thing. We haven't tested it yet. I think it will. Otherwise, I wouldn't be spending all this time creating it. And I have reasons to think it will sell, but it needs to be. I, I need to have a minimum viable product mentality so that I'm not overspending, overinflating, overinvesting my time, only to potentially have the risk of being disappointed later if it doesn't sell well. Yeah, to, to let people know where this idea comes from, the minimum viable product. I heard it from the tech world, the you know software development world, and one of the problems in software development, and and I guess in pretty much any project, is scope creep. Is that, you know, you say, oh, I'm going to do this. But as you get going, you start thinking, oh, wouldn't it be awesome if, if it did this? Wouldn't it be awesome if it did that? Uh, and, and, and what we need to do is set up the foundation so that, you know, we can do this thing, like as you were saying, into, in the future. You know, uh, let, let's plan for step C before we've ever finished step, uh, step A. So this, is, this has been a growing trend. The, um, what's it called? The lean... Um, lean, lean de- startup. Yeah, yeah, lean startup, but lean lean development uh, also, uh, so, which all falls into this minimum viable product. And and I like that concept because it can be attributed to everything, you know, any any kind of product, even a service. So so instead of just calling it a product, we could say uh, even a service, a minimum viable service. So instead of if if you want to get into the service world. Say it's uh, something in ser- uh, say you want to get into search engine optimization. Well, the minimum viable uh, service would be 
you know, picking one element out of all the things you could possibly do out of search engine optimization and just picking that one and selling that one thing that that would get you the minimum necessary. Well, you know, and there's a lot of ideas. I mean, especially entrepreneurial people come up with ideas all the time. And so basically you sort through all these different ideas and then you say, what, you know, do the little, the little research, interview people and do all that stuff. And then you say, okay, what's my product? What's it going to be? What? And then you create it and you get to that minimum point where you can turn around and sell it because you don't know. I mean, that's the big thing. I mean, in the age of testing, which is kind of where we're at right now, you can test, you can put it out there, sell it. And if, and I mean, worst case scenario, I mean, Let's say you invested a whole month into creating this thing, which, you know, it could, it, chances are you probably invest longer than a month, but let's say it's a whole month. You, I mean, full-time hours for a whole month and it doesn't sell well. Well, if you did that for every single product, you could take another 11 swings at bat in the year and have 12 different attempts to launch a product, you know, during the year, right? I mean, I don't, right. I don't necessarily recommend that because... Because that would be exhausting. You'd probably burn out. And it's, sometimes it's more useful to focus on one thing and making it successful than it is just to go, ah, you know, and move on to the next thing. Right. So, I mean, it, it's, definitely, uh, <laughs> it's definitely not like a, f- okay, so, you know, it, where there's a fixed recommended time to wait to see if it's going to be successful before you move on. So, <laughs> you know, it's funny because th- it, that goes back to this book, The Dip. Uh, that I read, you know, several years ago, Seth Godin came out with his book, The Dip, and it talks about how pretty much everybody's going to run into a situation where you have these enormous challenges where, you know, you're really down and things look like they're just going badly. And that's when a lot of people give up. And basically the concept of the book is you need to be able to read and decide, is it better for me to continue through the dip and try to get to the other side? Or is it better for me to abandon this idea and go on to something else? Because he says that one of the secrets of success is quitting, quitting an idea that's a bad idea, you know, and you have to be able to know. Uh, and that, that's the tricky part is, is knowing whether or not you've got a bad idea. Hindsight is so good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can look back on it and go, <laughs> that was a bad idea. I've been working at it for 10 years and it never took off. Yeah. Uh, and, and that I think that comes down to a lot of people don't look for their market uh, completely. You know, uh, there's there's a lot of advice, especially in the info product world, about finding it, you're, uh, finding a niche and doing the keyword research to find out if people are looking for something, and and then they kind of just end there. It's like, okay, now now test your product on them, uh, or they may even go to the next step of saying, well, uh, try to uh, survey people in that in that market. And find out what they're looking for and then make them a product. Uh, th- that gets a little closer. But I, I think that the idea of specificity uh, really, really matters because you can say, say with like the cake decorating thing, oh, uh, I'm a wedding cake. Um, I make wedding cakes. So I want to make a product related to that. Well, who would pay for this kind of knowledge? Well, other people who would be one who would want to get into um uh, into that business. So where, well, where would I find those people? Well, you would start looking into, into, uh, uh, forums and, and, uh, you know, uh, I was about to say bulletin boards, but I don't even know if people still use those anymore. Uh, bulletin boards, uh, go into magazines around, uh, like wedding magazines, things like that. You're going to find people who are, will naturally congregate to those areas. 
And then from there, you, uh, you, you know where they're at and you can start asking them questions directly and you can start building a product specifically for those people. And, but and you now, have to balance that too on the other side, though, Tim, because on the other side, you need scale. You need a large enough market to be able to support your business. You know, where, in other words, if there's, I mean, I don't think this is the way it would be, but if there's only 50 people that are interested in doing this on a part time basis or 100 people and you can only get, get the attention of 1% of them or one tenth of 1% of them, see what I'm saying? So you need the potential for scale and you need the specificity. And that's where the challenge comes in, I think. Uh, to, uh, to, a cert, uh, to a certain extent. You don't uh, really need scale if you have big volume, if you have that, uh, you know, where you know, each potential uh, Big sales, dollars, like, so dollars, if, yeah. if somebody came into your seminar, you know, it was a, f- a five-day seminar, and they learned how, uh, where they uh, made cakes and, and decorated them hands-on, and you charged, and you charged a couple grand for that. Uh, maybe even more than that, uh, and and they walked out with not only hands-on skills from learning how to do it uh, uh, in your in your uh, kitchen, but then also uh, all the business in a box stuff. You know, they walked away with all that. You know, they essentially walked away with a business. Then business then, idea or yeah. instruction like a manual. Yeah, mm-hmm. all you know, all the stuff's there. They just need to go out and implement it. Then, then you know, you could probably charge three or four thousand dollars for that. I, you know, I, or maybe it's just a thousand. I don't know, but somewhere in there, you know, that that's a high dollar. So, well, if you got fifty people a year to pay you uh, two grand, then you're you're doing okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it it's it, I actually it remains. It rem- All right, I don't know. Sometimes I get excited and I can't actually use my words. <laughs> so it reminds me of a good friend of mine who went to he flew himself to uh, Oregon, someplace in Oregon where there was a bicycle work like a repair shop training program. And I think he went there, basically stayed at the school for a week and did all day training. And after a week or two weeks or something like that, walked away, totally knowing how to work on bikes. And if he wants to, can open up his own bike shop to work on bikes because he loves bicycles right you know and he's a cyclist and all this stuff and and he identified that maybe there's a need for one in his neighborhood and you know picked a location all that stuff and so but in that kind of situation i have no idea what he paid but my guess is it's probably in the thousands of dollars you know probably with that kind of time investment um and then a skill set and that's very much like cake decorating where it's very much hands-on you know, there's a lot of the hands-on type of craft, which is great for a live seminar slash workshops, you know, right. slash class type of thing. So um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I honestly, I don't really know the cake decorating market well enough to know what kind of demand there is for that. If it's a growing market, if it's a declining market, if, pe- if more and more people are just outsourcing uh, to have cakes decorated or if more and more people are trying to do it themselves. Like it blows me away how many people it seems like gardening right now is just on the rise. Because uh, everywhere I look, people are trying to grow their own gardens. Where just a few years ago, that wasn't happening so much. I don't know. Has produce gotten such so wildly expensive all of a sudden? Or, well, uh, th- th- there's several trends that have been growing for that. Uh, growing, uh, uh, pardon my pun. Um, <laughs> uh, there, there has been a, a several different converging uh, converging trends. People who wanted fresh uh, cooking ingredients, uh, so people who were uh, 
you know, in that sort of Martha Stewart type world where they, you know, they're watching the food channel and wanting to have the freshest ingredients for their gourmet meals that they're making. And then you've got those who are looking at the economy and, and all the problems that are occurring in the economy and saying, well, I'm going to become more self-sufficient. And then, and then uh, there's a few other uh, areas, you know, uh, other types of people and, and then uh, like uh, restaurants wanting local uh, fresh ingredients, uh, people who are growing for their local market, they're, they're picking up, you know, doing that uh, at home and then selling uh, to their neighbors. You know, you've got all these different trends that the, the local food and, and, uh, and the economy and, and all these things, they're all congregating and pushing this this market the the overall gardening industry up now i'm not going to say that the gardening industry is like where somebody should be spending their time and interest developing something around that but i think what you just said is a good example of something that i think is really important for success and i was just talking to the folks in foolish university about this during one of the office hours this last week we were talking about timing and how i think that timing is hugely important and I know a lot of people think that timing is very important, but I, I don't know. I mean, to me, you kind of have to sort of read the trends, see what people are doing. You know, this is heading one direction. This other thing is heading the other direction. Here's the point where they both converge, and there's an opportunity there, you know, where these two different trends are going to converge, for example. And I think what you just described with the gardening, you know, you have this uh, trend of people wanting to become more self-sufficient, this other trend of people wanting to make their own gourmet meals, this other trend of people wanting to, you know, sell or have fresh you know, organic vegetables, whatever. I don't know. All these different trends that come together and then there's an opportunity right in the middle of that. And I think that that's one of the reasons why Izzy Video did well is because I got on there early on. It was a timing thing. Like, I think that if I created Izzy Video right now, it would require a lot more marketing effort than to be successful. And I think there's a chance it may not be successful if, if I started it in today's market where there's just tons out there that has to do with how to shoot and edit great video. Right. Uh, however several years ago there wasn't very much and now i've been there a long time so google considers me an authority my website's an authority you know pretty good it's not amazing but it's a pretty good authority from google's perspective and so i get a lot of google traffic you know and my traffic's just grown but it was that timing i think that really helped and this ability to spot trends and that's one of the reasons why i think it's it's a good idea to build a business around something you're pretty familiar with that you've whether it's your own interest or or maybe it's somebody else's interest that you're really close to but you need to be you kind of have to know what's going on to be able to spot trends you know to see where things are headed and be able to and you have to think creatively where's this going you have to actually look right. at it and go where oh this is interesting where's it going you know um, you know i i i'm going to do something completely uncharacteristic i'm going to do the opposite and say let's let's take it away from this high level approach of being able to spot trends the more philosophical thing cuz normally i'm the guy running on on that stuff and and taking it back to like specifics <laughs> wow so, uh, so uh, so you know you, you spot a trend you understand your the area you know you're you're picking you're picking that niche you're you're trying to become very specific you you have an idea of who who's going to buy your product but then you need to know if they have uh the ability to pay and the willingness to pay uh, because uh, it doesn't matter if you've got a great product if no one wants it and, or they don't have the ability to pay for it 
That's a great point. So let's back it up a little bit. Number one, identify a potentially profitable idea. Two, develop a minimum viable product. Three, try to sell it, right? Sell it. Try to sell it. Do marketing. Actually make it available for sale so you can <laughs> so you can sell it. And then see how it goes. And if it's not successful, you can revise it. You, if it is successful, you can beef it up and invest more time and effort into it. Maybe even start building a team to help you with you know, customer service and help you sell it, you know, or, you know, hire people to help you with the marketing. I don't know, whatever. And then, so you can build up a business around this product and, or if it's not successful, then revise it. And if it's horribly not successful, then maybe you just want to abandon the idea completely and move on to something else and just start over again at basically number one, identify a profitable idea, potentially profitable idea in your market. It's kind of cool. right? Yeah. So, I mean, you, it's easier Obviously, all of this stuff is easier said than done. You know, when you say, hey, identify a profitable idea in your market. That is not that easy. It's not that easy, it, but it's not as hard as people think it is. Right. Oh, you, you've got to uh, – it, it takes time. It takes work and effort, but it is possible to do, uh, you know, because a lot of people uh, – uh, and, and I've gotten this uh, being a consultant over the years, having people say, oh, I want you to sign this non-disclosure agreement before I share you uh, share my idea with you. And, you know, and I've never signed one. Uh, I, it's it just because I, I could end up running into somebody the very next day who has a similar idea, doesn't know anything about you. And then they approach me. And now I'm uh, all automatically in breach of that non-disclosure if I talk to that person about it. So. I, I've stayed away from those things because a lot of people think, well, the the value is in the idea, and and it really isn't. It's in all the work that comes after having that idea. Yeah, I mean, I can't tell you how many times because I have an internet show. I have online internet shows. I can't tell you how many times people have told me their ideas for internet shows and said, you know, I'm going to make a show about X Y Z, and then a year later or two years later, they never made it. You know, because it's really not the idea, it's what you do about it. And and the unfortunate thing is that, like, I don't know. I mean, it's like what Woody Allen says. You know, a big percentage of winning is just showing up. Right. You know, being successful is just showing up is because a lot of people don't even show up. They they say, I'm going to do this, and then maybe they plan it. A lot of people are big planners and not action takers, right? So I, they sketch it out. They draw it out or whatever. They build a big business plan around it. I don't know, whatever. I'm being a little bit, I guess, maybe. I hope I'm not being vicious here because I think I have a little bit too much sarcasm in my voice right now. And I should calm, <laughs> I should calm that down. Yeah. But, but what I'm really saying is that uh, I think a large percentage of people don't actually take action. They just talk. And so one of the things that can make somebody successful is just being one of the folks that takes action. I mean, seriously, identify a profitable idea, make a minimum viable product, try to sell it. And that's as simple as it is. Yeah, it, it's it's as simple, but uh, just then throw in the work, get it done. And uh, one thing I, I it just popped in my head, sorry, uh, it, it, to go back to where you said, you know, and then and then if it doesn't actually work, if it if after you've gone through these steps, you know, you've uh, you found, uh, you know, you've niched it down, you've uh, figured out who the person uh, that you're marketing to and they have the willingness and the ability to pay for your your product 
and it still doesn't work, you know, like your marketing flops, uh, well, you can tweak your marketing. Uh, uh, or maybe still the product just the product wasn't a hit. And that and that does happen, you know, like great companies actually make products that don't hit. You know, uh, I've mentioned Apple's Newton before. You know, it was a product that was ahead of its time, and and it just didn't hit uh, in in the market. Timing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it was a timing issue. You know, it, it was a great product, but it came too early. So, so there, there's those kind of things. You, you could be in that situation where you came out with something, and it was a good product. It looked like all the uh, like all the stars were lined up for you, but it it just didn't work out somehow. I would, a lot of people in, in that situation may like jump into something completely different, like a completely different niche. I would, I would recommend taking all that knowledge, all that pain and sweat and blood and tears that you just, that you just went through and, and, and try to use that knowledge again in that industry. You know, it might be slightly different uh, in, inside that industry. Might not be the exact same niche. Maybe it's uh, an adjacent niche uh, inside that industry. Uh, but you've you've learned so much about that market, and you've gone through all that that you should now have skills that you can uh, put into a brand new product for that uh, for that market. That's awesome. And you know, what's funny is that it reminds me of. I, I, I've heard I, it's funny because I've heard so many different stories and I can't think of a specific one right now, but it seems like I've heard many, many stories of companies that got into a certain business, developed a certain product, thinking that that's the direction that they were going to go. And then within just a few short years, a large percentage of businesses have changed directions. Maybe it's tangentially related to where they, Ooh, I just used a big $10 word there, <laughs> but maybe it's, you know, indirectly related to what they were originally setting out to do, but it's a different business. I mean, they're doing something different. And uh, I, I think that's an interesting idea, keeping in mind that you might have to, some of the revisions might be close to what you were originally doing, but it might be something different and you got to be and I think, wasn't it in Gary Vaynerchuk's book, Crush It, where he gave the example of a lady who developed some sort of a, uh, a sandwich business, and then it turned out it was catering to a certain type of person, and then they wanted to stay away from that? I, I, I don't remember. Oh, man, I can't remember. I shouldn't bring up I shouldn't bring up stories unless I actually know the story. <laughs> right. That's a good idea. Okay, so for those of you that are turning that are, you know, taking notes on what you should and shouldn't do when you have a show, this would be an example of one of those, you know, don't do that. <laughs> and we and by the way, our shows are full of those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I think we should probably finish up. I think we we've, we've covered I mean, obviously we didn't cover this in as much detail as you possibly can, but I think we did a nice job touching this and giving some stirring up the brain cells of our listeners, hopefully. Yes, yes, you know, uh maybe we should uh, run through it just one more time, one more bit of repetition. Uh make sure that you uh, can identify a profitable business idea. And the best way of doing that is to niche it down, uh, you know, find a niche and then go even deeper so that you can identify the types of people uh, as, as closely as you possibly can as to who would buy this product. What are they looking for? Uh, what problem are they trying to solve? What uh, desire do they want fulfilled? And then you find a way of making a minimally viable product that will fulfill that desire or that need. And 
And then, you know, you make sure that those people have the ability to pay for it and that they actually want to pay for it. They, they actually want your type of product and then, then get busy making it. Awesome. Very good. Good words and uh, some good ideas there. Thanks, Tim, for this discussion. Hopefully it's something that our listeners can use, get inspired by, get some ideas and all that stuff, and then go run with something and take action, make something happen. Anyway, uh, that's it for this week. In the next, uh, it, let me try that again. That's it for this week. In the meantime, enjoy your foolish adventure. Thanks for listening to Foolish Adventure. If you found this information helpful and want more like it, please visit foolishadventure.com. Do you have specific questions you'd like us to answer? Leave a comment on the website. Who knows? Maybe we'll create a whole show to answer it. Also, we have a voicemail line where you can ask questions. The number is 480 331 4695. 